The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Hi everyone, welcome to the Custard TV podcast. It's me, Matt, again, which means that Luke uh, isn't with us. He is currently, um, I think, still washing his hair or washing his, doing some sort of washing. Joining me today, first off, we've got Erin Zamet. Erin joined us on a podcast a while ago. Um, last time that podcast, I believe, was praised by the head of Channel 4 Drama. Um, so, so high standards to to keep. How are you, Erin? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm glad to be back doing this again. <laughs> Making a podcast debut. Uh, you may have read some of her stuff on thecustardtv.com. We've got Megan Highland. Hi, how are you, Megan? Hi, I'm I'm good, thank you. My first podcast, so go easy on me. <laughs> Sounds like I've got well, a lot to live up to. Oh, d- don't to worry. What we will be uh, discussing today. We have got Apple TV Plus's Severance. Uh, we've got uh, from Netflix, Inventing Anna. And we've got ITV's new game show, reality show, um, Starstruck. Uh, Mo will also be joining me to discuss the new series of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, but first, I just wanted to ask you both, uh, what what is it you're watching on TV at the moment? What is it you're enjoying? Erin, uh, I'll start with you first. I, I've not been seeing enough tv as much as i want to just because of like, just because of uni and stuff it's like i feel like i've missed so much and i've got you're like, in your huge... final year aren't you at the moment yeah. so it's quite busy yeah exactly so i've got like a huge list of stuff that i need to get to i'm caught up with euphoria which i'm really enjoying like drag race like the apprentice just stuff like that to watch each week i'm currently watching happy valley for the first time right okay <laughs> and how are you getting on with that yeah i'm really enjoying it actually it's one that i just never got around to before and how are you finding Euphoria? Because I think you've just, you, you recently started that, didn't you? But you've, you're up to yeah. date now. I don't know if I'm enjoying this series as much as the last one. But like, no. but the fifth episode that was sort of focused on Rue and her family was just It was great. traumatic, wasn't it? <laughs> it was traumatic. That's definitely the word to describe it. Like, but I thought that was great. That's like what Euphoria does best, I think. Mm. When it's like, it's sort of like, it's a very loud show, which I think I like. But when they strip it all back like that, I think that's where it, when it's at its best. No, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah. Megan, what about you? I think I can I can relate to you a little bit there. And <laughs> when I say I've not watched as much TV as I would like to recently, I think the recent review that I did of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which came out a couple of months ago on the Custard TV, really made me want to rewatch it again. So that's what I've been doing at the minute. I'm 
just about to finish the last season so I don't really know where I'm going to go after that (laughs) already experiencing the post tv show blues and I'm not even finished it yet so (laughs) I'm trying to think of something to watch next I'm finally getting around to finishing elementary which I know finished years ago now (laughs) but I finally finally gotten around to the last season so I'm doing a lot of re-watching at the minute I've started a new job recently, so I've found myself not quite settling into new shows yet. I think no. I need some comfort watches. No, always good. Yeah, you don't. So nothing new. It's all, all rewatching stuff. It's all rewatching. Yeah, yeah, it's all rewatching. I did start watching the new series of The Sinner recently with my granddad, but then I went away for a day and he finished it all without me. So, <laughs> so I'll uh, I'll get back to that at some point. Have you just said no spoilers, granddad? Yeah, yeah, my granddad's not allowed to speak to me about it, or at all, because I'm still not over the betrayal of it, to be honest. Talking telly. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. And you've watched Inventing Anna as well, haven't you? Because you wrote about that for the site. Yes, yes. So Inventing Anna is one that I've really enjoyed. Definitely. Right. It's, it's filled the hole that How to Get Away with Murder left. Right. Do you, should we, we start with that then? Do you want to just set that up for us? Is that OK? Just a, a brief premise of it. Inventing Anna is based on a true story about a woman called Anna Sorokin that was born in Russia and moved to the US um, under the guise of being this German heiress that had all of this money, scammed a lot of money from hotels and banks and rich people just sort of trying to get herself involved in that lifestyle assuming this isn't a spoiler because it's a true story she was caught um, and got sent to prison so it's about a journalist sort of trying to uncover that story and try and work out you know what she was doing this all for what her intentions were and also I I think trying to uncover whether there was any truth to it at all I might have a story her name is Anna Delvey, or Anna Sorokin, no one's sure. She's either a rich German heiress or she's flat broke. The charges are insane. Anna committed real white-collar felonies while posing as a socialite in an attempt to steal millions of dollars. Hi, Anna. I just had some questions. I have a question. What's you wearing? You look poor. She is everything that is wrong with America right now. I am famous. People are painting a public picture of me as some criminal. That's not my story. What is your story? I'm a cop. Yes. Anna came to New York. No rich parents. No connections. Sometimes you gotta fake it till you make it. You have to work hard to get what you want. I've always known that. I'm building something. It's a private club. Accept me on the VIP room. It's forty million to finance. We have two banks interested in loaning her the money. Holy! I realized the clues were there all along. She put it all on my card. Give me back that money, please. Why are you being like this? So dramatic. Every day, men do far worse things than anything I've allegedly done. Anna stole a jet. What's going on? Who are you? Anna Delvey is a masterpiece, bitches, and they can just all. I'm a cold. Yes, I'm a cold piece. Looking for a Mr. Freeze to get froze like me.
because she's so convincing, there's a little bit of a question about whether there was some truth to it, where she actually mm. did come from. So it's, it's all about that, really. It's all about uncovering the truth of that story, if there is any whatsoever. And and this is from Shonda Rhimes, isn't it? You, you, I, I've, I've read your review on the site, and this is her latest sort of Shondaland production. It's the first one, though, she's written for a while, isn't it? I think, having looked at it, it's the first one she's sort of been cre- creatively involved with since I think Scandal yeah yeah definitely because I think it's been a while since we've seen any of her stuff because there was Scandal there was How to Get Away with Murder but there's been a bit of a break there uh, probably Mm. due to Covid and not being able to film because I think Inventing Anne has been in the works for about two years Um, so it's really good to see um, Shondaland stuff back on screen because I think it's just absolutely outstanding television I think Grey's Anatomy is the only one that I've really watched, but are you a fan of her sort of entire back catalogue? <laughs> I'd love to say that I am, but it's just how to get away with murder for me, which is oh, okay. sort of my idea of Shondaland and what Shondaland is, because that show, just from the very first episode, it, it had me gripped, and Inventing Anna sort of fills that hole for me that how to get away with murder left behind, because it's it was such a dramatic show and it was so enthralling and I think Inventing Anna definitely has that so that's part of why I enjoyed it so much because it was everything that makes Shondaland great. Yeah it's just sort of like a bit of a page turner isn't it like what we would say like the airport novel you're wanting to find out what happened next and how many have you watched so far Megan? So I think I'm up to episode seven now so right. I've not quite finished it but I'm, I'm right. almost there really enjoying it so right. far. And and what about you, Erin? I mean, I've only watched the first one so far. Are you the same? Yeah, I've only watched the first one. I feel like maybe to appreciate it properly, I need to watch a bit more. At sort of uni this week, uh, we've been looking at like female showrunners and we've used Shonda Rhimes as like a case study. So I did watch a bit of How to Get Away with Murder this week for the first time, which I did enjoy, actually. I, I did enjoy this, I think. It feels like something that I feel would usually be like the subject of like like a Netflix documentary rather than like a drama. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was enjoyable. What maybe put me off slightly is I feel they were they were telling maybe telling the story through the eyes of potentially a less interesting character. Mm. Through so like you, journalist. Yes. Yeah. So this was uh, Anna Klumsky, wasn't it? Of of Veep, and I remember her back in the day from mm. My Girl. Um, which was a film, I don't know if either of you seen, it was certainly very much of, of my era. I know you're both a lot younger than me. Um, oh, was she in that? I don't, think I, I don't think I knew that. With Macaulay Culkin, yeah, she was the titular yeah. My Girl. Oh, um, yeah, that makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, she does look quite different. Yeah, and I, th- I think between that and Veep, she didn't really do a lot. I think she sort of went away, went to uni. Her character, as you say, sort of the journalist, is very much the the audience proxy, isn't she? So mm. more of a sort of straight-laced character. We get the impression that she's got a past where there's been like a scandal around an mm. article she wrote, and I'm assuming they, they go back into that later on in the into the series. But I think maybe if we if we spent too long with Julia Garner's character, then it would be maybe a little bit too much. Mm, yeah. What did you think of the accent she was doing? Because that was very jarring <laughs> for me. I really wish that I'd written about the accent in my review yeah. because I was so convinced that 
maybe it was just me like maybe there was just something about the accent that I wasn't quite getting but now that I've realized that everyone else had the same experience it was very it was very it was a wandering accent is what I would call it (laughs) but I I was reading into it this morning and apparently the the thought process that Julia Garner had behind it was that Anna Sorokin was born in Russia she lived in Germany for a little bit she would have had a a little bit of that New York accent because she lived there. And then I think she also said she considered that there would be some like traditional English accent in there because German people learn English through sort of UK accents. But I still didn't find that quite a convincing explanation (laughs) as to why it was so, (laughs) it was so all over the place. Where she does the opening narration, I was very much, I am not going to be on board with this accent I just can't get a handle on it. But when you saw her sort of in the scenes where she was in the prison with with Anna Klumpskin, it it was a little bit more settled. But you're right, it was sort of very much a wandering accent. That's a a good way to put it. Reading your review, Megan, I did agree that the, the two central characters had almost like a bit of a Killing Me vibe to it as well. The journalist becoming a little bit maybe too interested in her subject. The other side of this was that the, the uh, solicitor played by uh, the guy from uh, Succession, uh, Arian Mahad, playing Todd. I, I feel like he's almost pre- presented as, as a sympathetic character in this. You know, he's down on his luck. He's wanting to do best for his client. It almost feels like they're trying to paint him in a sympathetic light because it's hard to do that with Anna. I don't know if you agree with that at all. I think that's that is one of the things that I do love about Shonda Rhimes's work is that every character has a backstory. There's no character mm. where you don't get a perfect sort of rounded sense of who they are and I think what they do with him is part of that. But you're right that he is the contrast to Anna's character because we have to feel sympathetic towards someone. In most contexts in most series like this it's difficult to feel sorry for the defense lawyer because <laughs> especially in his situation where there's not a lot that he has to defend <laughs> there's not much that he can work with and um, so it's good for us to understand his motivations because you you can't quite wrap your head around why he would want to defend someone like Anna especially because she doesn't really seem to appreciate it really whatsoever So I think getting that backstory and understanding why he wants to do this and also understanding why Vivian wants to write the story as well. We get to know their motivations. We get to know helps it make more sense, I think. Because at the end, they have that scene, don't they, where Anna is saying she wants to be famous or Vivian finds out that Anna's main motivation is to be famous. But in a way, that's sort of Vivian as well, isn't it? She wants that big story. She doesn't want to sort of be sidelined into being the typical female journalist who's who's tasked with writing about me too um on wall street um and being sort of consigned they call it scriberia with the other sort of veteran journalists who work there and i love that little unit as well actually and some of the actors there was an actress called anna devere smith who was in the west wing and was in nurse jackie who i really like and and the two blokes as well almost like their family unit at the the magazine I quite enjoyed but yeah I, I certainly did enjoy this a lot more than I thought I would I didn't really know a lot about it going in but I did remember the story being around at the time so I thought you know this is an interesting story to tell I, I agree with you Erin maybe it's sort of like they didn't go into details as much as possibly you would have liked and 
some of the more sort of salacious parts were where she was interviewing all the people who'd been conned by her mm. and I thought that was quite interesting all the accounts of her were slightly different and you got some quite animated tales of her past um but yeah I'll definitely give this another go and watch another episode I think is that where you are as well Erin with it I will need to watch more just to see where it goes because I think maybe the first episode was mostly just like set up mm. um, and just introducing you to the characters and yeah I think maybe the pace might pick up a bit in the next episode maybe. Yeah I definitely agree with that I also did find the first episode to be quite slow I think mm. that is one thing that is not necessarily like a downfall of Shonda Rhimes's work but she does she wants to establish those characters and sometimes she does take quite a bit of time setting things up and I think that's what we saw in the first episode it definitely does pick up from that point because we have more flashbacks um towards Anna's past we see we start to see these things happening that we're hearing spoken about and I think that really helps solidify the character because at first it wasn't quite convincing that the person we were seeing on screen was the Anna Delvey that we've heard all these stories about. There was a bit of a disconnect there for me when we see her in, in jail, but then when we get the flashbacks, it does really start to build up that character and it starts to drive the story forward. So I would I would definitely recommend continuing with it. Yeah, And I think the two performances in it I really enjoyed as well. I've, I've always mm-hmm. liked Julia Garner. It's good to see her sort of get like a, a leading role and, and similar to Anna Klumski as well. So, you know, you've got these. And, and again, that's another sort of Shonda Rhimes thing, isn't it? Sort of strong, central female mm. performances, isn't it? So uh, Inventing Anna is all up there on Netflix now. Next up, let's go to Apple TV Plus and Severance. Um, I'll have a go at setting this up. <laughs> So this stars um, Adam Scott as a character called Mark Scout. He works in uh, the basement division of somewhere called Lumen Industries. The employees at at Lumen Industries in the basement have to undergo a a procedure called severance, which is essentially almost like a bit of a lobotomy, where the the company divides their brain into um, memories from work and personal life, meaning when you leave work, you don't remember anything what happened to you at work, and when you come into work, you don't remember any of your personal life. So it sort of separates your personalities into what they call innies, which is when you're in work, and outies uh, when when you're out of work. We also meet Helly, who's like the new recruit into um, into Lumen, who uh, starts the series in the first scene. We see her on, in the conference room, completely disorientated, not knowing where she is. It feels like something out of a Saw movie. And eventually she sees the video of herself prior to getting the severance procedure, basically consenting to it. And, and by and by, we sort of learn a little bit more about that. We also see Mark outside of work. He's quite a lonely man. His wife passed away a couple of years prior. Um, his sister's trying to set him up on a, on a date with her midwife. His old colleague, Petey, uh, happens upon him. He, Petey has sort of reversed the severance procedure and he's now trying to sort of uncover what's going on at Lumen. At the same time, it seems like at the end of the second episode, we see him and the the sort of um, side effects of the of this procedure of reversing it, and he might not be able to sort of achieve that goal. 
Uh, now, Erin, I know you were quite keen to watch this, weren't you? I think you were a bit mm. of an Adam Scott fan, is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I mean, I haven't seen him in very much, to be honest, but mm. I mean, I really like him in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, and when I saw the trailer for this, it just seems like exactly my type of show, like um, something that's kind of sci-fi, but sort of rooted in reality. Yeah, that felt right up my street. And then, mm. and then Adam Scott as well, so that seems like even better. Did it pay off for you? What did you think? I really enjoyed it I think this is yeah I think this is great I just found it really compelling and really intriguing I think Adam Scott is really great as that central character because he at times he's so sort of cold and like almost robotic that that's actually really compelling but then life is full of surprises some good some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está ahí we started our company girls who do interiors before we even graduated design school and we turned to chase for business to build along with us they had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place and with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. When you see him outside of work, you can tell he's essentially, he's broken. Like he's sort of, like sort of consumed by his grief. Like I find that really clever that he's he's kind of playing two different characters. But it's the same person and it's kind of that's really nuanced because they're not two they're not two completely different personalities. Mm. Um, but at the same time you can tell the difference. So I think that's really well done. And I don't know, I just really like the world. Mm. I think it's 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 really exciting and I just like I can't predict where it's gonna go next. I think that's the best part about it really. Yeah, I just I can't wait to watch more of it. Yeah, I'd I'd absolutely agree. I I've not had Apple TV prior to this, but I think this is the series that's going to convince me to get Apple TV because <laughs> um, I thought it was it was just so interesting. It's not it's not anything that I've seen explored before in sci-fi, and I think mm. it's it's just such an interesting concept, and it's got everything that a thriller should have. And we're only two episodes in. The thing that I'm sort of most intrigued by is the fact that obviously. We know that Mark is doing this because he wants to try and forget about the fact that he's lost his wife. However, because his work persona and his home persona are separated, it's almost as though he doesn't remember what he was like. So he doesn't remember what he was like at work. So he doesn't really get to enjoy or sort of even experience the time that he forgets about his wife. So it's not really doing, it's not really serving the purpose that he agreed to the procedure for. So I'm wondering whether... They will explore that in later episodes as well, because I'd like to see a little bit of what he feels he's getting out of it. 
because in a way outside of work he's still just experiencing that grief all the time now he doesn't even get a break when he's at work because he doesn't remember what's happened Mm. it's a really interesting concept and I think it almost reminds me of sort of if the good place was a thriller it would be this (laughs) because I feel like the way it's filmed it's very quirky and there's a lot of sort of overhead shots and really interesting angles that they use and it really reminds me of of the good place in a lot of ways but if you sort of took the comedy element of that and made it more dark and twisted I think is what it makes me think of. I was thinking very much like Black Mirror-esque I don't know if either of you watch Black Mirror it's it's got that you know they did a lot of things where it was like a, a procedure that would make you forget or something similar to that so this almost feels like a Black Mirror episode stretched out over over eight episodes I very much enjoyed the the sort of production design of this as well like the basement in Lumen you've got the artificial light very low ceilings the computers which are really sort of old-fashioned computers that looks like astroturf on the you know it's it's the colors are very stark it's you can almost feel like the air you know the lack of air in those rooms claustrophobic nature of it but yeah no I I agree with you and you you both saying about the character there the first time we see him is he's crying in his car isn't he the first scene is that scene with Heli where we hear his voice but we don't quite know what's happening and then we see him you know we it it fits together subsequent as well we see uh, her having the procedure which is quite a um, traumatic scene in a way or quite graphic I suppose yeah definitely (laughs) the other part of this as well is almost like a a conspiracy in a way because we we don't really know what Lumen do that we just see there's a name for them that I wrote down um the the it's not research it's something else like that isn't it where that their job is basically to file these numbers refiners that's it oh yeah yeah they they have these numbers on the screen and have to sort of sort them out and remove the numbers that they think are scary and (laughs) she's like I don't understand what you know what you mean and we see her eventually doing it and they've all got their theories about because they don't know what's going on outside what it is they're actually doing so that's obviously something else that may be explored in in future episodes and the, the other thing is is that they set it up as a twist I think I'd sort of clocked on before that is that uh, Mark's neighbour is mm. Patricia Arquette's character who is also his boss so she's playing like this dual role as well isn't she almost like keeping an eye on him you know being this sort of scatty neighbour who um is worried about when the bins go out and, and things like that. What do, what did you make to Patricia Arquette's performance here? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I think, like you said, I sort of cottoned on, probably for me, only a couple of seconds before we saw her face. But I thought, oh, that would be a really interesting twist if she was the neighbour. Because I think it, it's, it's interesting because we get the impression that she's not had this procedure. We get the impression that she is the neighbour because she's watching him. But... despite that she still is playing these two completely separate roles because as the boss she's very Mm. robotic and doesn't really give much away and then as the neighbor obviously she's trying to put on this sort of you know a bit all over the place a bit confused maybe even a bit doddery sort of classic neighborly character and it's very interesting um I really can't wait to see where it's going to go with her because I think she's going to be quite central to what is Lumen and what are they all about and I think the character of Milchik as well has a little bit Mm. of that. Do you think they've had the procedure as well like the the higher-ups or is it just like the 
the four in the you know Mark and Dil- it's Dylan, it's uh, John Turturro's character Irving and Helly. Those are the only ones I thought had had the procedure. But do you think that the, the sort of higher ups have have had it as well? I get the impression that they haven't, especially no. because Milchick seems to be the one that takes them into the rooms mm. and. Even yeah. when Hallie keeps trying to run out, he's in the staircase and he's telling her to turn around. So I think I think that's interesting as well because they clearly, they know a lot more than they let on about this procedure. So I, I think it's going to be really interesting. And then Christopher Walken popped up as well, didn't he? That oh, was I didn't see that come at all. No. <laughs> um, and again, I'm not quite sure about his character yet because when you see Christopher Walken, you're thinking, oh, it's, he's going to be playing like a sort of terrifying character. But actually, he seemed he was quite taken with um, with Irving, wasn't he? And and it almost seems like those two will form a bit of a friendship. That scene with Irving as well was quite affecting, where he was he was getting like wellness therapy almost. But it is all a little bit disconcerting, isn't it? And it's I think it's quite clever how they're almost playing on the you know the the workplace aspect of it. You know how people feel about working in offices, and there is that level of sort of passive aggression from Melchek and and the Patricia Arquette character that you do get sometimes mm. from middle management I suppose and that sort of almost feels like a satirical element there and then playing with you know close to the sort of conspiracy theory aspect of it and the you know psychological drama slash fantasy elements with the with the severance procedure itself is it's it's a very clever um construction the the creator as well Dan Erickson I think this is his first show I I looked up his IMDB didn't actually have anything else on there so um, I'm not quite sure where it is he's come from. Ben Stiller directed the first episode, though, which is quite interesting. So I'm, I'm guessing you're both going to continue watching this by the sounds of it. Megan's getting Apple TV just, just to watch it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm yeah. invested in Apple TV just mm. for this. Have you already got it, Erin? Because I think you, like me, are a big Ted Lasso fan. Yeah, I already had it. But like, it, it seemed like there weren't too many shows that I was very interested in. Like, mm. um, like Ted Lasso and... Uh, I also watched the morning show, but I haven't finished season two yet. But like, um, but they were the only two that I was watching. But it seems like now they seem to be coming out with quite a few new shows. Like, um, like I'm watching the after party as well, which I'm enjoying as well. Mm. Um, and then there's something else which I haven't seen yet. Was it Suspicion? Suspicion. Yeah, we we reviewed that. Uh, we weren't. It was it was okay. You know, like a sort of it felt like a sort of standard crime drama, really. Um, but it's worth the go just to see how, how you feel about it but at least with severance I mean and with the after party as well like they're taking mm. risks with their content which I always appreciate and it yeah. seems like it's, it's a lot it seems more worthwhile to be getting Apple TV now I think yeah and there's there's a few more things on the way as well I believe they, it seems like every week they're announcing a new show with like mm. A big name. I know Samuel L. Jackson's got a show coming to soon, and I think Gary Oldman's got a show on there. So it's like they're trying to get the big names, you know, like a lot of these streaming services offering creative freedom that you possibly wouldn't get on on mm-hmm. the networks and things like that. And all of them feel quite unique, and there is a sort of mixture of genres on there. So without this feeling like too much of an advert for Apple TV, anyway, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, de- definitely. Um, this one, I think we're all big fans of and, and we're all going to keep watching 
uh, Severance, which uh, the first two episodes are up there. I think it's a new one every week, but again, don't quote me on that. But definitely a, a very memorable and unpredictable. You don't quite know where it's going to go next. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com And now we are joined by uh, someone who I've asked on purely so I can make a pun out of his name. We have got with us the marvellous Mrs. Mr. Mosel. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. (laughs) Almost almost a missus there, almost misgendered you, but hey-ho. How are you, Mo? I'm, I'm fine. I'm I'm marvelous. I am ready to deliver some zingers. Um, so yeah, we're here to talk about the return of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This is, I think, one of Amazon's biggest shows. Certainly, the first season was very much hyped up, wasn't it? I, and it got a lot of Emmys. Uh, it got a lot of eyes on it. I think possibly Law of Diminishing Returns. Mo, what's your relationship with the with the series? I absolutely love the marvelous mrs mazel and actually i came in through um i'm not sure if you're familiar with gilmore girls i love gilmore bunheads okay or bunheads you obviously did not listen to our top 10 dramas of all time podcast mo where i listed gilmore girls as one of my favorites there's so many shows (laughs) so many podcasts you know i mean i thought you listened mo yeah, okay, that does ring a bell. I mean, like, look, look, it, 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 look. For me, you know, it's early in the morning over here, so you know, I'm still, I'm still getting set, you know. But it's about uh, eleven o'clock now. Yeah, it is about eleven <laughs> o'clock. Can't, and I, you can't the play the always. Oh, it's, it's earlier here card <laughs> when when it's like quarter to eleven, Mo. I'm not letting you off with that one. Yeah, so so I I came in it. Uh, Primarily through the fact that I was a fan of the creators, Amy and Dan Palladino's previous mm. works. Yeah, and I'm I'm the same, really. I, as you mentioned, Amy Shim Palladino, I love her style of writing, the direction from her husband, Dan, as well, their sort of style. And I, I just feel, though, it was a show initially everyone was talking about. And I think by 
the third season, it felt like people had dropped off a little bit. I don't know if, if you agree with that. Yeah, I don't think people stopped talking about it. It is always in the conversation about when, when award season comes around. Mm. I think part of the problem was it is one that release schedule, you know, you're dropping the whole season at once up until series four, that is, and folks mm. could binge it. I mean, this obviously, I don't think anyone will be listening to this who's not aware of what the show is, but it's about a housewife in the 1950s who becomes a stand-up comedian after finding out her husband has cheated on her. I suppose the first two seasons are like what happens when the people in her life find out about it. Season three was a lot of her going on the road, going to Vegas with Shy Baldwin was the name of the character. What was he, like a band leader? Like a musician? What would you describe? Yeah, he was he was a lead singer. Lead singer. Her career was on the up there. She found out partway through the series that Shy uh, was uh, secretly gay and almost outed him on stage at the Apollo, which led to her being cast off the tour. And we sort of start season four. After an uh, opening routine, we go back to being left on the tarmac, basically, or getting the taxi ride back there and and basically midge trying to then build up the confidence to say to her parents i didn't go abroad i'm I'm still in new york a lot of the issues i had was remembering what had happened in (laughs) in the last season other than that i know someone had written something about that sort of pandemic brain so anything that had its last series pre-pandemic it is really hard to remember the basics other than that so i couldn't really remember why susie alex borstein's character had lost her money it was something to do with gambling yeah she has a gambling problem which was prevalent throughout third series Mm. of course you know even and you mentioned previously that midge was on the upswing so was uh susie she was also managing Sophie Lennon, uh, Jane Lynch, Lynch's character. Of course, that sort of flamed out, you know, in a big, huge ball. She was trying to make a serious actress, wasn't she? And she she got nervous and reverted back to her comic persona, really, didn't she? That's what happened. Yeah, Sophie Lennon wanted to transition from comedy to serious acting on Broadway and just flamed out. We do kind of find out what happens with Sophie Lennon's character in, in the early part of the season as well, <laughs> which is quite quite hilarious. There was this interesting change in evolution with Midge's parents as well. Uh, you had her father, Abe, played by Tony Shalhoub, who at the beginning of the, of the series, he is a mathematics professor at Columbia University and a researcher. And then subsequently, he leaves his job and ends up becoming a writer and a a, a columnist at um, this small local paper called The the Village Beat. Uh, Midge's mother, Rose, played by Marion Hinkle, she ends up becoming this sort of matchmaker. And you've seen bits of that in, in previous seasons in which she's playing matchmaker either it's for Midge, it's for someone close to Midge, or and then, you know, she kind of falls into this is sort of a quote-unquote career and of course her husband Abe he can't understand that at all and we find out a little bit about how matchmaking played a role in in Abe's life as well see Mo you're saying that all to me now I'd completely forgotten most of that again (laughs) it's like pandemic break I couldn't remember why 
when we saw the second episode why Abe was a journalist now, I couldn't remember what had happened to Midge's money. And I remember Joel ran that club above a, yes. a, a Chinese gambling den and was now in a relationship with the daughter of the bosses. I remembered that. This first episode is establishing where everyone is. And, and, and I suppose the other big thing was that at the end of the, again, something I did remember, was that she used the contract for the tour as collateral to buy back her old apartment and, and get the money from Joel's father, played by um, Kevin Pollock. The first episode was very much picking up from where we left off. There wasn't a lot of Midge in the first episode. I don't know if you noticed that. There was a lot of Susie. There was a lot of Joel. And there was some of the parents because they were having a fake birthday for her son. This first episode felt very much like admin. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it it did feel like admin, resetting, level setting, whatever you want to call it. I feel like should have really benefited from one of those recaps mm. that you get previously on, you know, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah. And we were talking Killing Eve next week, and again, <laughs> I, sort, I, I sort of remember that because that's that was more the third season was sort of early. It was like April 2020, I think, wasn't it? The last yeah, yeah, se- yeah season. That, that, but even that, so, these shows that have been away for so long need like that preamble, certainly for the the secondary storylines i i think that on its own the first episode you really are able to resubmerge into this world and i think that by breaking up the opening having midge come out and do her routine and talk about revenge and so forth and then ending doing a flashback her ending mm-hmm. you know, on stage again and, and, and bringing it all together is a, is a great way to acclimate viewers back in, into this world. And now, obviously, of course, we've, we've gotten into 1960. So we've so that's another change is mm. that like uh, the crossover to another a new decade. So I'm, I'm curious about how, how, how that'll impact things, especially when you have things like uh, John F. Kennedy posters like yeah. on walls and so forth. So we're getting close to some big changes. One of the critiques that I've seen from a few people is that um, it's sort of going in circles a little bit. The character is sort of regressed to an extent. She's now back in her um, apartment. They're going back to a club and they're not on the bill and they're trying to sort of get themselves on the bill. And it feels like it's going round in circle. Well, that's certainly what the critiques have been, I suppose. I don't know how much I feel about that. What about you, Mo? It's a natural progression in life. I mean, there are times when things are going to happen and you're going to make achievements and and, and and make some concrete changes in your life. And there are going to be times when you take a fall. And this, in Midge Maisel's life, is one of those times in which she's taking a tumble. Now she's tumbled back down the mountain quite a bit. She's landing on a new plateau. And then now mm. she's got to climb back up. And so that's where we are in, in the story. It's a good place. It's a natural place for a character to be. So I don't have a problem with that all at all. Both Midge and Susie are just trying to pick themselves up, dust themselves off, and, and move forward. Uh, I, I do like that they, they've circled back and brought back other characters like Harry Drake, who who um, Susie goes yeah. to for Dave, some career is advice. David Paymer, is that yes. right? I don't know whether they need to bring back Sophie Lennon, though, because I, I, I think Jane Lynch sort of steals the spotlight a little bit from it. I don't know if... You agree? Although I did like that scene in the where she's in like a 
institution now, but her butler's still there with her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the thing is, that that's a dangling plot line. Do you tie it off completely, or is it just out there waiting to come back at at a certain time? It makes sense for Sophie Lennon to be out there as a dangling plot, because again, that was you know an early her early mm. adversary. You know, going back in uh, early. She got season. a blacklisted, so, didn't so just, she, for a bit? Yes. So, so having. Sophie Lennon return periodically is perfectly fine. The fact that Susie can't get out right now, can't get out of being her manager, does open some potential opportunities for good or ill. So I, I don't have a problem. I just I do agree that Jane Lynch as an actress does take up a lot of oxygen. And I'm not saying in a bad way, but in a very good way, because mm. I've loved her performances, you know, going back to Party Down, to Glee and so mm. forth. So, so I, I think using her periodically is a really good move for the show at, at this point. And just generally then, after these two episodes, mate, what, what are your general feelings? I, I think I've sort of grasped some of them, like you're very much on board and you're, you're like, I suppose the way the second episode ended was we've now got this idea that Midge is going to be a comedian, like a, a burlesque club, a strip club. So you clearly see when Midge has this, this idea when she's backstage watching the uh, comedian sign off and give his last um, performance uh, at this uh, strip club, this is the venue for her, a place that she could be unfiltered, be truly the type of comedian that, that she wants to be. And I think that this, this opens up a lot of interesting story ideas. You know, it's the reaction from her parents, what's going to happen with Joel. So, I'm very curious about where this new next step takes her. For, for me, I just, I, I, I wasn't massively taken by any of it, but I think it is just like a big warm hug of a show, isn't it, to an extent? I was just happy to be back with these characters. That's sort of where I was. The design in it is fantastic. The Wonder Wheel segment in particular, I thought that was all really well constructed. And I was just reading an interview where it, they had to do like 100 takes to get it right it's not a show that you have to concentrate on i mean we've been talking about severance on the on the podcast today and that was a show that required a lot of concentration to understand all the sort of lore and stuff behind it whereas this you know where you are with these characters you know we're four seasons in now the performances are always great rachel brosnahan alex borstein tony shalhoub they're all fantastic. We're getting the impression as well that Shy Baldwin's still lingering in the background as well. You know, there was the news report that he was getting married and, and Midge's reaction to that. Another dangling plot line that I feel will resurface at some point. And as you said, Matt, I love being in this world for a lot of the reasons that, that you said. It's not just the performances, but the sort of visual feel. This feels this weird kind of musical play hybrid and everything from the costumes the lighting the scenes it's just absolutely gorgeous like all, like and, all of the paladino stuff even gilmore girls yeah. which was monday and you know you had that <laughs> world of, of stars hollow where it was all very theatrical in a way wasn't it yeah that's his sort of style really it is a very inviting show you do want to spend time with these characters and one bit of news that came up this week was 
this is the penultimate mm. season. Uh, season five will be the finale. So I, in, a, in a way, I'm really glad that we do have Midge and Susie at this low point. So we can narratively hope they build up to this great climactic finish. And oddly, the same week that Stranger Things has also made that announcement. And Atlanta. So, I mean, mm. it is kind. Of, it is really funny that you're getting these shows, which are pretty popular on their respective platforms, all announcing renewals for final seasons. Mm. I think the other thing as well we were going to say was that the release schedule on this is very interesting. It's eight episodes and they're releasing two a week. Yeah, that, so, that, that's correct. Yeah, and it's a bit, I, I suppose we have the odd, like, um, the Disney Plus thing where sometimes they'll release two or three and then do one a week. Obviously, there's the binge model. What do you feel about this? Do you think that's a good idea? or? Oh, I think it, it's a good idea. It keeps them in the conversation because mm. if you folks have noticed, for good or ill, you know, Boba Fett was in the conversation because it was dropping every week. And it will be an interesting metric going forward because... Amazon Prime recently released Reacher. They dropped all the episodes at once, and it has done very well for them based on their metrics, and it's already been renewed. But the question is, a month from now, are folks going to be talking about Reacher still, or they've got moved on to something else? And whereas I think with The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, maybe it's not just about the audience retention, but also getting critics and folks who are participating in, whether it's the Emmys, the Golden Globes, whatever, these awards, retaining their attention mm. a bit longer. And, and, and so that, that could be what they're doing. I don't begrudge Amazon Prime for trying a different strategy because, especially in, in, in this fourth season, you already know who the fans are. The fans are going to come back to this, whether it's twice a week or you know, a binge, the fans are going to be there. Do you want to try to also play around structurally to see what happens? And they did this with the boys, I believe. Was that every week or because they've done a lot of weekly ones. And I think it's following like, as you mentioned, Disney and Apple uh, are doing it occasionally. The thing is, nobody quite knows where they are in terms of when it was Netflix. Netflix is just here you go. Here's all of this. Now you've got these, say, like the big four streamers and all are slightly doing different release schedules, and people aren't quite sure where they are with him. So The Boys was similar where, if I remember correctly, they would drop like one or two a week for four weeks, five weeks, whatever it was. And they did it as well with the animated series Invincible on Prime. So they have a precedent for doing this. I think that they should play with this with more of their bigger shows. Again, it keeps me as a viewer oh well i i need to go back to prime at least once a week around the time that episodes drop to watch you know otherwise depending on what prime has i may not go back to prime for an extended period of time which is not good for their service but i think in terms of mrs Maisel, we're both glad to have it back and you know they've retained these two viewers at least and so as we said um it's amazon prime two episodes each Friday for the next three weeks. The first two are already on there. And fans of Mo will be pleased to learn that he'll be back with us for the full show next week, won't you, Mo? So looking forward to speaking to you again then. So long and good night. And we'll finish with ITV's Starstruck. 
This is the new entertainment show from uh, ITV on a Saturday night. It's hosted by Ollie Murs and has a panel of Sheridan Smith, Adam Lambert, Jason Manford and Beverly Knight. It's essentially stars in their eyes, isn't it? For, <laughs> at times three. I mean, do do we watch a lot of Saturday weekend TV? Like, uh, are we fans of this sort of shiny floor entertainment format? Or do we think they're sort of in the past a little bit now? Yeah, I think I used to be into those a lot more than I am now. I'm a massive Strictly fan. I watch like Dancing on Ice and stuff like that, which I quite like. Things like that, maybe it's just I don't have the time to, to watch it if I'm not that interested. You're right when you say it's sort of, are these more in the past? Like maybe feels a bit dated. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I definitely <laughs> used to enjoy watching sort of Britain's Got Talent and X Factor. Mm. And obviously, they've sort of faded into the background a bit now. And I'm very, I think I'd say I'm quite picky about my Saturday night TV now. Like I'll watch Strictly. I, I absolutely love Strictly. Mm. But I think beyond that, it's sort of all been done before. And I think maybe that's what Saturday night entertainment is struggling with. There's not really anywhere unique to go with it anymore, I don't feel. And maybe that's why they're starting to pull out a lot of old game shows that they've done before and do things like this, where it's sort of a, a reimagining of things that have been <laughs> done before. It, it doesn't feel very original, I don't think. I think the, there's definitely like the nostalgia effect on this, isn't there? That The format essentially is that there are teams of three and they all become a singing star slightly different incarnations of that singing star they get made up a la stars in their eyes what did you think of the way that they were made up to i mean first off we had freddie mercury didn't we what what did what did you feel about that about the makeup that when the freddies came out i think i was kind of hoping that it would get better from that point i think i was hoping <laughs> that the makeovers would improve but actually it turned out that team freddie was the most realistic mm. and i think that's <laughs> They they weren't they weren't very convincing makeovers were they? And I think what really threw me off and sort of took me out of it and made that enjoyment even less for me was that the judges were so over the top <laughs> with how like how convincing they supposedly yeah. were, and it just really takes you out of it because you know you know they're not being sincere, you know it's all put on. And I think that for me was just the hardest part to grasp. I was like, am I missing something here? You know, is, yeah. it, is it me? <laughs> so I'm glad I wasn't I wasn't the only one. I think maybe the Lady Gargars were the best ones, I thought. One of the girls actually did look quite like her. I think one of them. I think that helped. I think that maybe was the best one, but like, still not great. No. There often was one where one of them sort of looked like the person they were portraying, so that helped. Like, I think... One of the Ariana Grande sort of looked a bit like Ariana Grande, but you know, like with Freddie Mercury and Lady Gaga, there is a certain look, but with then he had like Marvin Gaye, it's like, what do we do? We just put a hat on him. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little bit sort of odd, the format is that you had the three and then they would choose the favourite team and then the teams competed against each other. So it was all a bit odd. What did you make of the panel? Because obviously you mentioned there sort of over the topness in terms of praising the outfits and the makeovers. What did you think of them as a whole? Because again, it was an odd mixture. Yeah, I mean, to me, it just it just all felt very put on. None of it seemed very sincere to me. I think especially because there was just too much praise. I don't know, maybe that's just me being such a big fan of the previous Saturday Night TV entertainment where you've always got to have that 
mean judge that gets booed by the crowd. Mm. But I, I do think that criticism is important, especially when these impressions were not particularly good. No. <laughs> and the fact that no one was really saying anything about it for me just really took me out of it because they were all so convinced that everyone was amazing like everyone did incredibly well everyone looked exactly like who they were supposed to and it just didn't it just felt too over the top for me I wanted to sit Sheridan Smith down at times she just looked like she was you know <laughs> on a night out didn't she yeah it was such like a bizarre lineup as well yeah. like I don't know how they came up with that especially at Sheridan Smith and Jason Manford like I know they've both done music but that's not really what they're best known for I wouldn't say just felt very strange. I really love Adam Lambert. I think he's great. It did make me think, like, what is he doing on this show? Like, <laughs> and I feel like at times he was trying to be quite diplomatic with what he said. You could see that he clearly was not a massive fan of what he'd just seen, but, like, still sort of fake praise. It kind of annoyed me as well. Like, you could just tell that they didn't really mean what they said. It does take you out of it a bit. Well, there was a quote from Jason Manford, actually. There was an interview on the ITV uh, press site where he says that they weren't there to critique the performances, but there to celebrate them. That sort of negates the the idea of having a panel at all, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah, is that really the, jo- the job of a judge? <laughs> they were there to sort of decide which team went through, I suppose. Not quite sure what thought went into that because they loved them all didn't they (laughs) (laughs) you're right there Erin as well I think they they explained Sheridan Smith away didn't they is that she transformed herself into like Scylla Black and things so maybe that was they did give you this is what this person will be looking out for this is what this person will be looking out for and then they just liked everything so it's like (laughs) but yeah Jason Manford seemed like a very odd choice and especially Mm. at the beginning at the beginning when they I can't remember what they were singing now but they did like the sort of voice style group performance and he looked a little bit out of his depth I think River Deep Mountain High that's what they were saying oh yeah yeah and it's like you know you've got Beverly Knight and Adam Lambert who are these two really good singers Sheridan Smith who has done a lot of musical theatre was excellent as Scylla Black and then Jason Manford who's done like some musicals I suppose he was on The Masked Singer wasn't he oh yeah last series <laughs> that's like the big ITV show is it do either of you watch that I watched like the first couple of series I kind of like it to watch it maybe like at the beginning of the series because it's quite interesting to think of who might be on it but then after a while everyone kind of knows who they all are like I feel like eventually everyone guesses them all especially if you're like looking online whilst it's on people kind of figure out which at the Mm. beginning is quite fun but then towards the end it just feels tiring because everyone probably knows who everyone is yeah no I get get that it's been dragged out a bit too far it's a weird format isn't it because it's like seems there's loads early on and then they'll just eliminate loads of people at the same time and Mm. you know if you are watching it online like I if I do watch it I'll watch it occasionally at least someone will get who it is and that's part of the the charm of it really isn't it is trying to figure out who it is even though a lot of the clues make no sense at all you you see them at the end when they've been revealed and it's like some really obscure fact about them which like no one would know and it's like you've been analyzing this clue for like ages and you think well you just wouldn't know that would you it's a good family show i think and that's why it's on but i can't see starstruck appealing to many people at all really (laughs) to go back to that it just seems very odd and someone we haven't mentioned because he just seemed completely sort of surplus to proceed Ollie Murs as the host he didn't really do much other than sort of introducing people and there wasn't really a lot for him to do I didn't feel (laughs) no 
he felt like he was hanging around after they'd done the voice and it's just like do you want to just do this as well just read these few cards it seemed a bit naff really didn't it it was like very yeah. low rent as compared to you know you can say what you like about the mass singer the production on that is you know they, they go out of the way with all the masks and the the looks of each performance whereas this yeah, coming straight afterwards the costumes and the the makeup and everything wasn't great and the judges would just look like they were on a night out and didn't really often <laughs> it just felt very dated as I think you said that didn't you Megan that it just felt like something from the past and yeah I, I think what was most confusing for me as well was that maybe even two of the Ariana Grandes were blonde and they had like these really cheap blonde <laughs> synthetic wigs on I was thinking one she's she's never been blonde but then also the wigs aren't particularly good either <laughs> I have to admit, I don't really know a lot about Ariana Grande, so <laughs> I do I really pick up on that. But you young people would have done. Not for us, I don't think any of us are going to be watching it. But yeah, if you want to check out yourself, ITV 8.30 Saturday nights. Thanks so much for joining us, both of you. Erin, um, have you got anything you'd like to plug? What, where can people find you on Twitter? I am at underscore Erin Z underscore. I don't have much to plug, but I do some I do some writing occasionally, so that'll be on there. Including for the Custard TV. Yes, including for the Custard <laughs> TV. <laughs> and Megan, what about you? Where can people find you? Is there any, anything you'd like to point people towards? Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter at Megan underscore A underscore Highland. That's my public Twitter page that I, I'll be very honest, don't use much, <laughs> but... You can also find some of my writing at upstagemanchester.com, which is where I do theatre reviews and, of course, on the Custard TV. And if anyone's interested, I also work for a charity called Talk, Listen, Change, which is a charity for healthy, happy and safe relationships across Manchester. So we do a lot of work with young people. We do a lot of domestic abuse work. So please just have a look at our, our website if you can, please. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Matt's TV Bytes, uh, the website at Luke Custard TV, um, up on the Custard TV at the moment. As we said, we've got Megan's review of Inventing Anna. Uh, we've got a review of uh, Severance by a new writer, Tyler. And we have got weekly reviews of Euphoria as well. Uh, the podcast you can get on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give us um, a rate, review, subscribe, all that jazz. We will be back next week with reviews of the returns of Killing Eve and Peaky Blinders. Either of those appealing to you? Killing Eve is like my enjoyment's gone down as it's as it's carried on. Season one, basically amazing. I think that's how most people feel about it. When we were trying to find someone to come on to review it, it's like I stopped watching then, I stopped watching. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd say the same. I'm still going to watch it. I'm still Mm. excited, Mm. but not as much as I was at the beginning. You can really feel the change in writers. It's Mm. it's such a stark Mm. contrast. I'm Mm. still hopeful. (laughs) And it's Kaylee Llewellyn, who's the showrunner, who did In My Skin, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. As you say, like the change in showrunner, you can feel it. So hopefully it will go out on a high. Yeah, so we'll be back uh, next week. Um, and again, thank you for joining us. Um, goodbye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. La 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 la
free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Fa la 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 la, blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.